The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain. Um, but here's the deal that I don't think a lot of people understand. Everyone, if you if you were like a cool Air Force in this world, you have a fighter. You have a fighter squadron, you have a fighter fleet, you go to air shows, it loops for music, people take pictures in front of it. Do you know how many countries in the world have bombers? Three. I was just... The U.S., China, and Russia. Russia. That's it. So when you look at NATO, there's no long-range strike. None of our allies have a long-range strike capability. It's us. That's it. So when you look at, like, 300 bombers may sound like a lot, but when you add it up from the coalition perspective, like, yep, we need 300 bombers. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Paco, who is the current winner for most appearances on the Afburn podcast. But Paco started off in the Marine Corps, became an F-15E Wizzo, weapon system officer, his weapon school graduate, has worked at the Pentagon. He has the Merge newsletter, which I have that link down below, which he also puts that out in a podcast form over on all the audio platforms as well as YouTube. If you want defense insights and what's going on in the world, you need the Merge newsletter. So click that link down below. Paco releases that on Sunday and then has the save round. So the things that didn't quite make it to the main newsletter pop out on Tuesday. But Paco has a lot of great info. And again, you can check out the MERS newsletter. So thanks to always my Patreon supporters for supporting the podcast. You guys make all this happen. Thanks to everyone who's left a comment, liked, reviewed, et cetera, et cetera, over on the different platforms. If you're listening to this, uh, please make sure you're following over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can actually click to follow the show and leave a rating review if you're getting something out of this and enjoying it. But that being said, let's jump into the podcast with Paco. Oh yeah, dude, totally. So, uh, I was the, I was on this kick um, the two pods ago, and it was I'm just and I told everyone uh, it was me, Jake, and Tim. I was like, hey, as soon as we show up, I'm just gonna hit record, and then we'll we'll come up with something that'll be the cold the cold open will be something out of this conversation like the the meeting before the meeting, you know, and it was hilarious, and but it all fell apart. Because like Jake had had like comms issues and it fell out, fell off and I didn't say the recording. I'm like, son of a <laughs> it's, all, it, it's always some it's always something. We got talking about like a, a clown uh clown school, uh oh a circus school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so at the end uh he falls apart and, and Tim's like are, do we have to talk about the circus school again? I go, No, Tim, we're not gonna talk about the circus school. It's and over. then I I didn't leave that in there because I had no context, right? But then at the end of the interview, we're talking and he's like, yeah, Jake's got to go. He's got to go to clown school. And it was like, it would have been like the perfect cold open, but I'd already deleted it. I'm like, guys, this is worthless. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's too much. It's a bridge too far. Bridge too far. uh, I'm trying to think, man, who did I? I've recorded a couple podcasts that that pop up, but you do, yeah, you do the meeting for the meeting. And in the meeting, like the guest pre-meeting, just like, 
spilling the beans. I'm like, oh, you're going to have to tell all the stories all over again. Like, stop talking. I should hit record, you know? Like, shut up. I haven't requested record yeah. yet. I, I know we just met. This is going to sound really rude, but I need you to shut your mouth. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to need you to tell me all this again, man. But, dude, it's, oh, uh, it's good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. This is great. It feels great to be back. I'm one of your, uh, I'm like on your three-peat now, I think, uh, return guests. Well, if you don't yeah. uh, if you don't include the uh, the bro chats, right? I think I'm done. this is my third time on outside of that. Yeah, I do think you have the gold medal for most returns to the Afterburn podcast. Yeah, yeah. so I, oh. it's it's a worthless gold medal. So congratulations, <laughs> fool's gold, fool's gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's been happening, man? Uh, uh, see, obviously, you had already started the podcast since the last time we were together because obviously we did a joint Blue Angel Thunderbird podcast, which people heard that that. I think was, I'll be honest, when you were pitching that idea, I was like, God, this is going to be such a pain coordinating with the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds. And it was kind of a pain, which you handled uh, all the logistics. Those guys are super busy. But I was like, this is going to be a rah, 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 we're great podcast. And I think Astro just talking about where the Thunderbirds, you know, left the tracks, identifying that and having to get back on the tracks. And most people are just completely unaware that, all right, hey, there could be some real struggles in there. So, that was the last time we were together, and I think that was a great podcast. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I still get feedback now. It's been, uh, I mean, I was a big before the season started, the show season. Now it's like wrapping up the show season, and I still get some feedback. Like, man, that thing, you know, I, I came for the, you know, for the air show, and I stayed for the leadership lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was I, a I lot was, of good nuggets in that one. Yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that it was not the, you know, rah, rah, rah. And as you said, too, it's like the, Astro Thunderbird one only does one interview a year. I was not aware of that. Maybe there's some exceptions, but I know we weren't the one that, that was the exception, but we hey, are the exception, you, but Hey, 1.1 <laughs> we're there. You know, we can't count it. Yeah, that was, I, I really enjoyed that one. It was uh, definitely worth the effort. Yeah, man. Well, what else has been happening? So the merge newsletter, merge podcast. I mean, well, this is weird. So I started a podcast and then you started a newsletter. I'm like, what's going on here, man? Like you're, you're, I'm, you know, I'm encroaching on your turf and now you're encroaching on my turf. Yeah. Hey, go sign up up for my newsletter. Yeah. 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 There you go. So that's the thing. Um, two different voices, two different opinions, not even opinion, but you know, it's a, I was like, you know, a newsletter it's another form to reach people yeah exactly yes. yeah some no. people like reading some people like listening some people like watching you know just you just yeah. never know oh, absolutely and and you know what it's uh i had i was thinking of this for a while because i uh when i do my newsletter it comes out on sunday uh and then i couldn't fit everything on the things i was doing on sunday so i'm like well i'll just put the rest of it in tuesday i was and you know wait a couple of days and give the rest of it. So that became the saved round. That's where it all came from. It's the stuff that was like left on the cutting room floor. And I was like, well, I still want to push this info out. Yeah. Well, then I was like, you know, someone was like, you know, what you should just do just, just record a podcast of you every week, just reading the saved rounds. Yeah. And I was like, well, like, yeah, I guess I could do that. And then I just like completely fell off my, my radar. And then, you know, you have the, the lowdown. I was like, ah, it's exactly what That's, I should have been doing a year ago. So well, you still can do it. The, the problem is, as I'm curious to see how much time you spend doing it. Cause my oh, thing like, is like there, this stuff, just you and I getting together, like same time lining our schedules, like scheduling this stuff is the bane of my existence. But even if it's just me solo, it's like, man, I got to find all this content, got to scrub it, go through, analyze it, write about it. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to come sit down in front of a mic 
and record it, try not to sound too stupid, which is always a challenge. And then I got to edit and splice it together. And then up, I mean, it's like nothing yeah. is just, it takes time. It is way like, more work than people think. Right. And I, this is yeah. why I think like, uh, like you go on YouTube and like the best YouTube videos, you know, 10 minutes max. It's like, all right, that's the sweet spot. Cause it's, it's the yeah. amount of effort that goes into seeing those few minutes of production is like insane. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I was trying, I would like to be able to do the video version. I put it, there was like one, I did like, you know, kind of the, the newsletter that fed the lowdown episode with, you know, Hey, if there was a video that went along with it, I'd play it in like Riverside. This allows like a 90% solution to kind of do that, but you still got to go back and edit and piece it all together. It's like, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't have the time to do this. And then also the, the motivation wanes. <laughs> well, you're so, way you're way further in the game than i am i'm on like episode 20 you're on kind of episode 70 something right now right yeah well now i'm just like turning them out i do have someone who helps me with editing these episodes again it's probably like an 85 percent solution but even still it's like i know you could you could automate this like with zapier like you could just all right hey we hit we finished recording i download this this goes in the bucket and then just starts churning the stuff out uh, but one, I'm not smart enough to like figure out how to integrate all these things, but you still like, you still yeah. are going to spend an hour, hour and a half per episode, probably minimum, just put it in all the places. Oh, and even yeah. when I do, it's like, minimum. you upload the audio, the audio version, the YouTube version, the descriptions are different in different spots. Like, oh yeah. Like YouTube doesn't do like embedded hyperlinks in the comments, Yeah, but it, <laughs> but it does like HTML shorteners. Like who does that? Like all these, yeah. like we're nerding out over stuff that, you know, <laughs> people listening, like, I don't know what they're talking this, about. It's a lot of yeah. work. That's what you got to know. It's a lot of work. And the other thing, Rain, is that, you know, if you're going to do something like don't suck at it, right? Like put some effort yeah. into it. So like, I, I find myself in the, like, you know, the whole like cost benefit equation. I'm like, ah, this is a lot of work. I'm like, well, if I put less work in, like it'll just suck or it'll, it'll suck yeah. more than it already sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You just can't have acid. That's the, probably the mentality that then you just get worn out. But again, so if anything sucks in my production, which people can pick it apart, uh, it's really my fault and the lack of capability on my, my end, you know? So there we go. Yeah. I haven't found anything that's like AI smart enough and integrated enough to like do a lot of the stuff I found like, you know, 80% solutions, but I'm like, ah, yeah. it's like, I see the, the, the missing 20% and I'm like, eh, I just, I'll yeah. do it myself until I find something better. That is the thing. Everything is an 80, 80% solution, which is usually like, sometimes that's good enough. Just get things out the gate and assess. But like when you put it out there and this is the final product, like it's just not going to work. So. And you know, what's crazy is that, you know, you have guys like that sit in their car in the parking lot and talk to themselves on a phone <laughs> yes. and have millions yes. of followers on Instagram. And you know yeah. who you are. Yeah. Man. I've watched, there's some like economic, uh, uh, economic ninja. I think it's the guy I've, I've seen him. He just, he sits, he'll read off a cardboard box, like the back of a pizza box in his car, audio bumps, everything. It's just like hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm like, man, but he has good content. So there you go. The content is good. Man. You can have some quality for him. So well, I'm What's sorry. You're not going to have good content today. You're stuck with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah here we are. Hey, uh, I mean, a lot's happened this week. If we're kind of talking like news wise, B21 yeah. flew T7, I think arrived at Edwards finally and flew at Edwards. Yeah. Air Force yeah. is talking about making the T7 light attack. There's all sorts of things. So, oh, man, it'd be so great many. just to. All right. What do you want to start? Like, 
Yeah, I was like, here, Paco's download. I mean, B21 would be a good one. Okay. Because I think the first bro chat we did was last year, and the B21 had just been unveiled, right? There was no That's Air right. Force. It was, it was December. Flight. It was like almost almost 12 months ago uh, it was unveiled. And that, man, I can't believe it's been a year already. Holy crap. Which is crazy to me. I don't know anything about the procurement process other than it usually takes forever. But you can probably talk in the weeds of like how long the B-21 has been in the works. And the fact that this thing's like flying a year later, it's got a ways yeah. to go, I'm sure. But yeah, so the B-21, yeah, we talk about that. So the B-21 obviously just flew. Everyone's, you know, it's great that we got a new production aircraft, especially a bomber. We haven't had a new bomber in, you know, two generations now. Uh, yeah. Northrop won that contract in 2015. So if you do the math, that's what, eight years? So that's pretty good. Yeah. Ish. I mean, for a for a bomber, I guess. I mean, it's not like a full size bomber. It's like a three quarter scale bomber. It's like a miniature. It's like a little B2. mini. It's like a little B two. Yeah. There is one. There's one picture from that uh, flight. I have to throw it up there. I could just it the. It's not a flattering picture of the B two, but it's like nose on, like looking up. You know, it's like it has yeah. like four chins. Like, <laughs> <It does>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely has a couple of chins it looks like at certain angles yeah. have you seen the angle uh for for those of you who are, who are you know the b21 versus the b2 the b21 is probably like three quarter scale uh it's got two engines versus four you can see it's only got one main bomb bay instead of two and then the real takeaway when they unveiled it the first thing i noticed was the landing gear you go hey those those wheels can't support that much weight. This thing's got to be a lot smaller than you think it is. And and it mm -hmm. is, right? And there's a picture from that first flight. So it's being chased by an F-16 from uh, at Edwards. And there's a picture that has a really good frame, like a three-quarter angle looking up of, an, of the Viper close to the B-21. And you can just see like, oh, a Viper is not a very big aircraft. And that B-21 is not very much bigger than the Viper. <laughs> so it's... yeah. It's not as big as uh, I think a lot of people would think when they think of like a bomber, but it is the first new bomber we've had in a long time. Uh, America, right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Free. Yeah, and it's one of the few programs that's actually somewhat uh, on, on time and, and well, it's on budget only because the way the contract's structured. So uh, fun fact, you know, Northrop is actually losing money on that program right now. They're not making any money. <laughs> Really, that's wow. I did. Yeah. I did mention in my newsletter last week about uh, Boeing losing their minds over Air Force One. Like they're losing. Oh, man, Bo Boeing's burning like a million dollars a day. Boeing Defense. That's how much money they lose. A million dollars a day, and most of that's is the, that a, the Air Force, Air Force one, one program, which is like the what VC twenty five, the recap. So two aircraft, seven forty sevens, and in the save money, they're like we're going to buy used seven forty sevens. So I think we're actually supposed to go to like a Russian airline. And so the the two new Air Force Ones, ironically, are like former like Russian airliners that are being converted. Even that's over budget. Like it's not even a brand new airplane. So I don't know. That's wild. I know anything How, about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was like, defense, you know, except that it's yeah. Bonkers. I was like, I wonder like what is what is cost what what the overruns are. I don't know. Some of that's like fixed price contracts. That's what a lot of those charges are. So Boeing, probably seven years ago, something like that. They to increase market share for like capture they started bidding on um fixed price contracts instead of cost plus so cost plus the government assumes all the risk for overages and a fixed price that's the price and if you go over the price like you have to eat the money and so uh like the t7 like they want a t7 program that's that's a fixed price they're losing money on that right now um the 
I think the wedge tail is too. The VC twenty five. There's like four aircraft programs. They were all fixed price to like you know gain market share, uh, and they are, but they're okay. also losing money. So yeah, uh, I hear that the B twenty one though will uh, it'll eventually um, probably in about five or six years we'll we'll actually start making some money. So we'll see. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it's still because it's twenty twenty seven is IOC or when it's supposed to show up at. Yeah, it's probably something like that. I twenty. I'd put my money on 2028 uh, if I was a betting man, but uh, that's like, you know, IOC barely, you know, could do some things. It's in a squadron. Yeah. There's so many people trained and um, when it, like full, full operational stuff, probably not till like 2030, 20 early thirties. Cause now you have LRSO, the new uh, nuclear cruise missile. And um, I'm sure there's other things going in that aircraft for like weapons and things like that. But one of the cool things that most people don't realize, like it's being, branded as a next generation bomber and a sixth generation aircraft and uh in some ways it is but the uh, the magic sauce of like how this program was able to stay relatively at cost and relatively on schedule is they just reuse stuff like a lot of the stuff out of the aircraft is like it's just sourced out of the parts bins you know like we don't need a new uh cockpit we can use these displays out of this other program or we don't need this ejection seat we can pull it out of this program same thing with like the the engines the landing gear the radar uh, all the subsystems, like they, they're spending the money on basically the wrapper, you know, <laughs> put all the yeah. stuff in the big wrapper on the platform. And, you know, that's, that's kind of like what the F-117 program did. It was like one of the last programs, aircraft programs that the U.S. had that was actually like on schedule, like to the day almost. It was like six years. And they used, uh, you know, the story about this, they used the F-16 yeah. flight control computer. Uh, that was how they got it to fly. Uh, the brakes off of a, an F-15, the engines off of a Hornet, uh, the HUD out of the Hornet, and then it uses C-130 um, ECS, the environmental control system, uh, F-111 flight control actuators, and a B-52 INS. So they just threw Dang. this stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, put it in something that has, you know, uh, this outer mold line and, you know, good enough, right? That's <laughs> hey, it worked, right? Yeah, and then you what, get into uh, like, you know, F-35 or F-22. It's like every single thing is completely designed from scratch. Like, oh, do we really yeah. need these like, yeah. you know, consecutive miracles to make this thing happen? Like, yeah, well. Yeah, well, and then everything's proprietary and then, you know. Oh, yeah, and that's one of the, that's one of the interesting things that you see now with uh, the B-21. There's the first aircraft that it was negotiated the data rights. So they're, the Air Force is building a digital twin, the sustainment of an air of the aircraft is actually being opened up for competition. And so one of the, one of the dirty secrets in the defense industry is that y you don't make money selling the aircraft. You make the money on sustaining it. So like the, like the F 35 program is, is a $400 billion program uh, to buy the aircraft, but it's like $1.4 trillion on the back end to sustain it. And so they've locked down the IP and the sustainment contracts out to like 2070. So they That's, own the supply chain. They own all the suppliers. Like they own everything. Like the Air Force is yeah. like, never again, never again. Well, I'm, I didn't realize it until I was in the F-16 and then hearing, you know, if we wanted to change code in the software, I say, we, not me, you know, someone smarter than me want to change code, right? <laughs> it took forever to do it. But then the guard, they could go right to Ogden and change it because of the way the contract was written. And then funny, on that same line, I heard the Ford uh, CEO, he was talking about, electric vehicles and some of the struggles they were having with it. So I think he said, you know, whatever a Mustang, whatever electric vehicle at Ford, 
has 150 different pieces of operating system and software all owned by the manufacturers of the different parts like the seat adjuster bosch makes that for instance oh yeah bosch Whew. but if yeah if they want to change it right they gotta go to bosch to have that change to interface into their system versus like tesla from the ground up they they own all of it and can make the changes really quickly and yeah the average the average like modern vehicle if you if you've bought a vehicle in the last 10 years it has something like 20 to 30 different computer processors running and a hundred million lines of code. <laughs> and That's so wild. integrating all of that, uh, yeah, like plug and play, throw it away. Like it, your ability to crack into that stuff. You know, a fun fact since you're talking about Ford, uh, and, and vehicles, uh, do you ever have a, a crackberry? Remember that? I, yeah, wait, I mean, what is it? Like 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Do, do you know what that yeah. company pivoted into? automotive software that is their number one source of revenue yeah they're huge in the automotive market they do like integration for software for vehicles yeah talk about a huge pivot because they like tom tom kind of same deal like they made it into like you know actually selling their their map software right because you know used to be oh you had a tom tom to get around yeah everyone had a blackberry back in the day and then just like overnight probably around 2007 goodbye so yeah, good on whoever saw that pivot, I guess. Aligned with the rise of the iPhone, right? Like here's the iPhone yeah. and then it's like, what do I want this keyboard for? Like, oh, this thing's terrible. The, but the Air Force held on to it for oh, 10 years or so. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know what? We Everyone can finally switch to an iPhone. That's it's right. Okay. That's right. Better late than <laughs> never, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Lead the way. Yeah. yeah. Man, how do we go from B21s to... Cars to crackberries. I don't even know. We cover cover a lot of ground. I, I'm so curious. What the? All right. So B21. Talk like NGAD. One. Why do we need a new bomber? Other than the fact that uh, we haven't had a new bomber in almost three decades, right? Two and a half decades. Yeah. All um, right. I, I'll talk about that first. Let's let's start with that. Then we'll yeah. just uh, we'll just riff. All right. So um, right now uh, the Air Force has 140 bombers, which sounds like a lot um you know superpower coming through um but we have a lot of fighters like 2000 something fighters right uh, if you look at like fighter to bomber force ratio it's like 1 to 10 1 to 15 i think 1 to 15 right now if you go back and look at like global you know, like global competition and the cold war and all that it's usually like half of that like 1 to 7 1 to 8 we're at like 1 to 15 so when you look at like bomber requirements the air force is trying to grow the bomber force to about 175 bombers uh that's 100 B-21s plus 75 or 76 uh, B-52s with the upgraded, the J model, the upgraded engines and stuff. Um, but there's a lot of studies that say we actually need like 300 bombers. And that sounds like a, like a lot of bombers, right? Um, but here's the deal that I don't think a lot of people understand. Everyone, if you, if you were like a cool Air Force in this world, you have a fighter. You have a fighter squadron. You have a fighter fleet. You go to air shows. It loops for music. People take pictures in front of it. Do you know how many countries in the world have bombers? Three. I was just... The U.S., China, and Russia. Russia. That's it. So when you look at NATO, there's no long-range strike. None of our allies have a long-range strike capability. It's us. That's it. So when you look at like 300 bombers, it might sound like a lot, but when you add it up from the coalition perspective, like, yep, we need 300 bombers. So uh, that's really why we needed a bomber. There was a bomber program that failed in the early 2000s. That was going to be the B3, uh, the next gen bomber it was called. It failed, and the spinoff of that became LRSB, which is where the B21 came from. So that's why the uh, yeah. 
that's why the, uh, when the program was invented, it had a fixed price because they wanted it, the other program was like out of control with the uh, technology ideas. It's like, well, if we just make it a fixed price, we'll constrain what's the art of the possible. And because we buy aircraft based on weight, if you, <laughs> there's a correlation between weight and cost. Uh, you kind of determine how big the aircraft's going to be by just, you know, how much the, the price is. So the, the price in contract is $550 million in uh, 2010 dollars uh, with inflation. It's like $750 million a copy right now. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a cost plus to develop the technology and then it's fixed price for them to produce it. So they had to actually build the airplane with a budget in mind to make any money. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, no, it really is. And honestly, I had not thought about it, but I was like, no one else has bombers. I was doing, you know, Russia and China is like, yeah it is us it's us that's it like the the uk had some bombers uh back in the the 60s and 70s and um like the v-series bombers they're all retired uh france got close they had like a supersized mirage for a little bit but it was like a fighter bomber uh but that's it we're it. like if we want to be you know partners and allies we want to be the the people that's going to bring something to the table like we need a bomber force sidebar did you see i think uh the russian bear like that packed it in into the arctic or is no. it, is, are up in the Siberia. Oh man. All right. While you tell a story, I'm going to start Googling to see if I can find this thing. Uh, because these guys are landing. It's like whiteout conditions. They I mean hard landing. The thing snaps in half fireball Koreans down like the Siberian tundra here. Were they, were they um, doing like a, like a ice field landing or runway or what yeah. Was it? It, yeah. Ice or snow. Like that's only thing I can assume is obviously they operate in the Arctic all the time. And then, you know, if we look at maybe where potential threats might come from one day, like exercising up in there, I don't, I don't know. Oh, um, the Arctic's crazy. Uh, I was, I did a, a, a piece on that in the newsletter a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, and I was doing some research and I was like, Oh my God, like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on up there. Uh, it turns out. It's actually important. Yeah. You know, if the if the globe, you know, if the map was projected differently, we might have a different view of perspective <laughs> of, of how important the Arctic is. Have you ever seen like a polar uh, map of it? And you like you see Canada and Russia and there's like this like, you know, circle of water between the two of them. And, you, and there's like two trillion dollars of like rare earth metal, you know, on the ocean floor. It's like the first people who can get there are going to win. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, other, when you look at yeah, most maps, like, ah, this is nothing to worry about. We're so far away, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see. All right, Unless you're like a, a flat earther, and then you just get to the end of the page. And you're like, <laughs> wow, I guess we're safe, you know? <laughs> nothing, nothing to see or worry about here. <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> All right. Did you find see. it? I want to bring up my – I did. Let me uh, get my skills going here. It was not a bear. I do apologize. It's backfire. So let's see. I assume you can see that? Yeah, yeah. You can see quite a, it's a snowy night. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Some vegetation. You, you flying that kind of viz in your, uh, your day job? You know, actually, uh, this last week, uh, very surprising going up to Anchorage, uh, first snow of the year. It was quite, it looked like this. Couldn't see the runway. Couldn't see anything. Look, there's rain landing. Look, look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, I did yeah. see that actually. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we should not uh, be laughing at watching this. This well, is we're, yeah. we're not laughing. It was, it was an opportune time with uh, my lane. But yeah, obviously those guys didn't make it. But man, they hit hard. Yeah, man, the nose just snapped right I mean, off. The, yeah, the visibility and so actually to tie into this right was 
so going up and landing, the it was calling for light snow, maybe like uh, mile viz, I think is what uh, the ATIS was calling initially. Go in there. Runway's a slightly downsloping runway. It had just been snowing for the last hour, so they hadn't plowed the runway. So mm-hmm. it looked like that video. Like everything was white. And then heavy, it appears to be heavy snow, moderate snow. So you get the visual effect of landing lights with all the snow zipping by you. It's occluded. It's, you know, worse than rain, so to speak. Uh, but I was like, I could, you could see how your depth perception would get jacked up or like potentially like where these guys uh, packed it in like that. So, yeah, not laughing at them. It's unfortunate. You hate to see anyone die, but it's like for those this is sporty uh, business. Yeah. For those who can't see it because you're listening to this, if you imagine um, like, the craziest snow weather NFL football game and the people are trying to play yeah. football on that. You can't really see from, cause the TV cameras can't see. And, uh, and it's so strong. They're like, you know, postpone the game. It's trying to land an aircraft in that. You can't even play a football game. You're going to land an aircraft. Yeah. Like, Whoa, no, thanks. I don't know what you'd be t- tough to tell what the, uh, the distance is there, but cause you can kind of see like maybe a marker. I don't know. It's not good. Viz and everything is white. Like, Everything is white in that, that that image there. So not yeah, I mean it's, it's white out conditions. Like the sky is white, the ground's white, yeah, everything's white. Not 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 where you want to be flying a no. plane. So no. yeah. Um digress there. So yeah, that's what I was kind of pivoting there. It was like the you know, who knows what they're doing. I mean, obviously the Russians have lots of land that's covered in snow and probably operating it all the time, but I guess I don't know where we went from. Yeah, we went from B twenty one. Oh, bombers! To, uh, and you said, "Hey, did you hear yeah. about the? Uh, we have we have NGAD to talk to if you want. We have uh, CCAs. Uh, there's a whole bunch here, of six gen stuff going on in the international. Before, what do you want? Before to do? we do that, you might you're probably the one guy who might know the answer to this because my son actually okay. asked me the other night, and it was yeah, like the no, the numbering of our planes, right? When we go from a B one B two to B twenty one. We have an F-117. I think the F-16, F-15, F-18, those were all happening about the same time because there was a YF-17 in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. We got an F-35. We got an F-22. Do you have any idea of how we jump from number to number? There is a, yes, there is a process. There is an actual, like, Department of Defense instruction, and it has a process, and there's placeholders for different um, designations of aircraft. Um, now, that said... There's also been weird things that make no sense. Like the B-21, like it should not have been the B-21. Like, no, like obviously if we're going to build only one, you know, bomber in the 21st century, like let's call it the B-21, right? (laughs) I don't know where they come up with that. Right. But like the, uh, uh, like the F-35 was the, was the X-35 and it flew against like the X-32, if you remember that. But then what, what happened to the 33 and 34, right? Yeah. I mean, it's there somewhere on a, it's there as an X plane somewhere and in some science project somewhere. Uh, but yeah, some of them jump around, but they're not supposed to. Um, there's, uh, like the 30 series. Well, I say that, but it's all jacked up actually, uh, depending on, and you can get into the, like, there's like two, two, uh, digits versus three digits. Like your, like your RQ 170 is like three digits long. So that, so that means something in the, in the designation hierarchy and, uh, yeah. Then you have like the, the, the F versus B versus Q. Yep. Like there's actual, like a, a regulation for that. Uh, but then everyone just deviates from it anyways. So. Yeah. What I envision, there's probably like one government employee. He's probably a GS 14 and he owns the books in the basement. And then 
I know it's probably a whole office, but I just envision it's just one guy named Steve who's working down there. That's like, yep, here you go. Steve, the GS 15. Yeah. 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 This is it. (laughs) Um, okay. So, all right. That, that semi answers that Paco. So I'll give you, I'll give you credit there in GAD, man. What's, I think we also talked about in GAD the last time we were talking about the B 21. So it'd be good to get an update there. Cause I think there've been a few changes, at least from seeing people jumping out, not doing anymore to what, what it might look like next, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, Northrop left. They, uh, they came out and said, no, we're not going to bid on that. Um, the, uh, Lockheed and Boeing are still in it. Uh, the engine providers are, you know, the usual suspe- uh, suspects. So you have Pratt and GE, uh, it looks like the, the prototypes are flying still, um, that's going on out there. And then the, the official RFP is out, which is the actual, like who is going to win this project. What's weird about what well, weird, what's the interesting part about NGAD is it's changed so many times, um, which is mostly transparent to people who aren't, don't track this stuff, but it's, but political pressure has actually like morphed the program a few times in the past, like five, six, seven years. Uh, so it started out, um, well, it started out as like, you know, your Raptor replacement. So what's your next generation air superiority thing? And then it turned into a uh, century series. We can rapidly iterate to restore the industrial base, advance designs, and take all that money we talked about in that sustainment part of a program and dump it in the beginning. And we'll just, we'll just dump money to basically rebuild the defense industry and advance the technology very, very quickly using money. And we're just not going to sustain it for 30 years like we do with, normally with an aircraft. We're like, okay, we'll go back to the Century Series model. We invest in a whole bunch of aircraft. We learn a lot. And then we kind of pick one that works and then we kind of stick with it. Um, well, then that then that, uh, that changed. Oh, and the government wanted to own everything. They wanted to be what's called a, a lead systems integrator. And then that changed. Um, we're like, hey, that's actually a lot of money to keep this many businesses building this many aircraft. Like. And then these aircraft, by the way, are like hundreds of millions of dollars each, right? So that bomber we talked about, it's like 750 million. Imagine if like two fighters were the cost of one bomber, like that's the kind of price point that they're, you know, looking at. So you're not gonna be able to buy a lot of them, right? And and then you fall back into the trap of like the Raptor. The Raptor is great, but there's only so many Raptors, right? 187 plus or minus one or two. And they can't be everywhere all at once. It's so... It could be the best thing in the world, but if you don't have enough, like doesn't matter, right? So it's a weird, it's a weird uh, situation. Now the latest iteration is they're going to pick one platform as the winner, and that's the one they're going to kind of press along with for a while. So it's kind of devolving back into like a status quo industry type program. Uh, but it did have the same ambition, so I give them that for for trying. Uh, next year, <laughs> so twenty twenty four, they're going to pick a winner. Um, whether or not they announce who it's going to be, I don't know. Um, I will say that I think Boeing is doubling down that they think they're going to win that program. They just, this, they spent like a billion dollars building a new, uh, facility next to their St. Louis headquarters where the, the old McDonnell Douglas headquarters was. Okay. So they just broke ground to build a new LO, um, coding facility there. Um, most people don't realize this, but fun fact, uh, most of Boeing's programs are built on Boeing owned facilities. Most of Lockheed's aircraft programs are built in government owned facilities. So they don't own the buildings. They lease them uh, or they're, they're government provided. And so Lockheed sits in the building. They make the aircraft like the F-16, like Fort Worth, like the government owns that whole facility. It just has Lockheed's. Really? You know, yeah. Lock, it, that's a plant four. I believe that's the uh, U.S. plant four. Uh, but yeah, Lockheed's, you know, name's been on the building forever. We're 
like Boeing, you know, they, they bought McDonnell Douglas and so they, they inherited their, their facilities. That's why St. Louis has, you know, all of those aircraft uh, lines connected to the airports from McDonnell Douglas, you know, back in the cold war. So it's an interesting dynamic. I've been to, I've walked all the lines. You see like the Boeing lines and you can see how they do things. And you see the Lockheed line in Fort Worth with the F-35 and how they, they do things. And, you know, they're just different economic models, just how they were you know, incepted and over time and how it's, you know, developed. So when you get to like the, like the T-7, you know, if, the, if they want to build an attack variant, like someone's going to have to build a building for it or something. There's no production line for, for those derivatives, you know, let alone like, you know, actual like operational capabilities and stuff but yeah yeah it's it's it, there's a lot of moving parts that's interesting i did not know that because i just assume like plant four or the plant terminology for lockheed because a lot of the buildings are called that was just like a as a historic piece back from like world war ii and well they've been in there since like world war ii they they used to build uh yeah. v24s like they were pumping out like a um man they were pumping out like 150 bombers a month out of that same line that the F-35 is on right now. It's crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It's wild. It's crazy. Not as much tech going in those things, but no. that's still pretty, that's, that's pretty impressive to crank out that many pieces of metal that can fly through the air. Yeah. Well, that line. was the same line that the, uh, the Viper was originally on and the Viper they were, they were pumping out like one a day. Yeah. Which is like, that's pretty that's, good. I'm curious. I'm trying, I'm trying to get, get go to Greenville and check that out. Cause you know, Bahrain, I don't know when Bahrain's getting their block 70, but they unveiled it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where it is, where it is in the, uh, what's the block. that just got deli delivered. One of them just, no, it, it's yeah. Maybe it got unveiled, but not delivered. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The, it was maybe four or five months ago. They did like the big unveiling of it. Um, yep. so I, yeah, I don't know where, where it is in the delivery timeline, the Bahrain air shows in 2024. Like you would think that's probably a, Probably going to be an opportune time to showcase the the Block Seventy as it's zipping around Bahrain. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which Bahrain's? And then, and then this week is the Dubai Air Show while we're recording, so yeah, uh, I I expect to see a, a very unique F fifteen QA Air Show. I hear lots of things about it, so be curious oh. to see how to actually pull it off. You know, it's what because I was I did the Dubai Show twenty seventeen. Really interesting, you know, from coming from like the air show world to go there because it is it's a huge air show. They had. Every every nation that China had their J10s flying around. The Russian Knights were there. I think China's demo teams like the Augusta, so like they were there. Um, but all this stuff's flying around. Like people are watching, but it's really not the main focus of it. It's selling and buying aircraft. And that one, that may I told you, it's like I was there and like UAE was get, signing a multi-billion-dollar contract for for new planes. Is it gonna be Boeing or Airbus? And they're making an announcement. They do like a newsletter, a newspaper they put out every single day for the trade show. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like Tuesday, they made the announcement. Airbus thought they had this thing locked in place and it was going to be them and Boeing won. And it was <laughs> oh, like WWE announcement style. Like I thought it'd be at a boardroom, like, hey, no, thanks, Paco. We're going with Boeing. But it was like, no, everyone building this auditorium. And it's like, and the winner is, and like holding up, you know, Boeing's hand. Everyone's like cheering. Airbus, oh, like their souls are crushed. <laughs> like, wow. Like, it was just ruthless. You better, you better have like, a video link uh, on what you make this. That's because I, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. You just think like, this is, this is not like, it was not calm, collected, formal whatsoever. I mean, it was like rowdy and yeah, you suck because you lost and just rubbing it in their face. Man. 
It was yeah. wild. And then meanwhile, like Lockheed, you know, like they had signed a, a, a very, I mean, it was probably like a billion dollar contract uh, with UAE for sniper pods, but like, oh yeah, we did that you know, a few months ago and we just announced here, but it was just like, it was, that was kind of like what I expected. It was like, yeah, we just, yeah, we signed this deal. Look at us. And it was like a little bit, but the whole like Boeing Airbus, what's UA buying? What's Emirates getting? Uh, it was it's pretty, pretty epic. There, there, there is a whole like business beat that does commercial aviation like that, uh, that just tracks the, the industry for commercial. Yeah. Like, aviation Weekly is a great one. You know, they're like lots of experience. Those guys are great. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Um, it, it'd be kind of weird if that, it was like a defense, like we're going to, if it was a military program, I would be right. kind of awkward, right? Like yeah, read the room, man. Like, no, yes. like we build these weapons so we don't have to use them. Right. It's like deterrence theory. Not like our, Why not, our I'm, killing machines sure better you, than yours. Yeah. Right. They <laughs> yeah. got more SA 17s for sale. I, it was cool and interesting to see. So I'm sure you've been to it, but you know, they, the Chinese, the Russians, all their companies have booths set up. Like the Bahrain, the next year I had some Russians hand us like USB drives that were. No, oh, I heard that story uh, just uh, yeah, this morning yeah, or yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, designed as, uh, you know, th- or thumb drives as a satellite. You're like, well, I'm definitely not putting this in my computer. I'll just turn this over. But that's it. They're trying crazy. to use our trick against us, right? Like we we invented yeah. that trick. Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, not so not so fast, old Trojan horse. And fun fact for the Dubai show that's going on, I flew in there. This is probably six months ago, but I, there was 38 A380s sitting on the ramp, uh, just not being used. That's a big old plane. The big plane. You know, the Emirates just haven't. Uh, brought it out of mothball from old COVID, but yeah. Have you, of them. have you ever flown on one know. of those? I have. It's pretty wild. I, I flew on a red eye from, it was either from the, from DC to London or London to DC. I can't remember. What, I think it was, yeah, it must've been, I don't remember which one. It doesn't matter which way it was, but the plane was like 90% empty. So like my family, like each of us had a row, That's <laughs> like yeah. a whole <laughs> row. <laughs> like, I don't, I could, I put all the armrests up and like lay down, I guess like, oh, just cause you can. It's, yeah. It's, it's a wild, that's I mean, I think it's an ugly plane inside's nice, uh, but it is rather impressive. Like how does this thing even fly? There's something to be said. Uh, there, there's an, there's a, a saying about that. Like ugly planes, you know, don't usually make for good airplanes. Nice looking airplanes generally fly pretty well. I don't know why that is. Bikers. It's I mean it's science, I guess. Yeah, it's these are facts. <laughs> these are facts. <laughs> Etched in stone. We said CCAs, we got that going on too. What else, what else we got going oh, on? Oh man. So the uh so we're doing the NGAD thing and then there's uh there, the Navy has the NJAD. It's uh pronounced the same but with a soft G. Like who does that? Like first of all, like, I was going to ask come you up about with your that. own acronym. If you're going to say it differently, just come up with a new name. All right? Uh, they probably say they say CAD, you know, instead oh, of seed. Yeah, CAD, yeah, yeah. like Boat. I said, take your CAD and give you a Boat back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. They're trolling us back of all the years and yeah. been saying Boat to them. To like CAD, receive. That is not how you pronounce that acronym. The amount of acronyms <laughs> we have is staggering. And they're like, hey, we need to create an acronym that you can kind of pronounce it phonetically. What can we come up with? And you're like, just I have this I, running. I'm, I'm ter- I have this running joke in the merge now for like 
almost a year of like every the army i'm convinced goes to school to figure out how to screw up acronyms like they just invent random letters in the alphabet that like phonetically is impossible to sound and they go yeah, yep that's it that's the one that's gonna <laughs> that's the one we're gonna pick for this program they're like what it's the it's the what like i can't even say it it, yeah, it's, it's fine they're terrible it's not an acronym if you can't make a word out of it it's just a bunch of letters <laughs> are you a passionate aviation enthusiast then you'll be thrilled to hear about our sponsor Aircore aviation this exciting company has been revolutionizing the aviation industry since 2008 and they have some amazing career opportunities available more about that in just a minute Aircore aviation is at the forefront of airworthiness of legacy aircraft dating all the way back to world war ii their dedicated team is involved in various aspects of aerospace, including manufacturing, fabrication, restoration, and support using state-of-the-art technology. Their exceptional expertise in core manufacturing capabilities like metal forming, CNC machining, and complete aircraft rebuilding has led to the restoration of some award-winning aircraft, such as a couple P-51s, such as P-51 Thunderbird, Twilight Tier, and Sierra Su-2. And if you've been following me for a while, you might remember I was fortunate enough to fly over the Super Bowl in 2018 in Minneapolis. The formation was led by Sierra Su-2 alongside two A-10s and myself in F-16. So this is a very cool full circle experience. These incredible achievements have captured the attention of aircraft owners, aviation enthusiasts, and the general public alike. If you've always dreamt of a career in aviation, then Air Corps Aviation is the perfect place for you. They are rapidly expanding their team in 2024 and have job openings in departments such as engineering and CAD, quality assurance, fabrication, and restoration. This is your chance to turn a passion into profession. Aircore Aviation is offering some amazing benefits for full-time positions, including health insurance, PTO, HSA, retirement plans, life insurance, and the extra perk of enjoying Fridays off. If you're ready to be part of a team dedicated to fulfilling the dreams through the preservation of historical aircraft, visit aircoreaviation.com backslash careers today and take the first step towards an exciting career in aviation. Again, that's aircoreaviation.com backslash careers. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Yeah. Spicy uh, tick. That was my spicy tick. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. They're oh, terrible. Easy now. <laughs> easy now. <laughs> that's no one from the yeah. army listens to this. Come on. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I think there are a couple of patchy guys. Yeah, no, I'm, they're they're great guys. I'm just giving them shit. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, with exception, I mean, we tend to bash on Strike Eagle guys here on this podcast. I mean, yeah, especially how the guys that sit in the back seat. Man, your bro chats. Man. I got. <laughs> I know why I didn't get invited back. I I listened to some of that and like, whoa, man, Fox Fox Three close. Yeah, I'm like oh, man. stings. It stings my heart. It hurts. Yeah, it's all good. It's an exception, Paco. Yeah, yeah no. I, I still, you know, I love the the combat hammer I went to that we had like the massive vault for our like 20 pilots and then going to the Strike Eagle vault. You're like, who did this building lay out? It's like <laughs> the, 190 people are in this tiny little room. Like, can I tell okay. you, you ever been to Seymour Johnson? That we, I, I have not actually. Okay. Uh, before any of you people make fun of the name of the base, it's actually named after a sailor. Okay. Not, mm. not an airman. Um, but uh, there's a there's a fighter squadron on that base, uh, the 333rd Fighter Squadron and Lancers. That's the one of the two FTUs they have for training. And they had to build a new building. And Shaw had just done a remodel. This is like 15, 20 years ago now. 
and the contract, the engineering, combat engineering, whatever they are, the contractor people, and the civil engineering, there you go, uh, on base, like, hey, well, you know, Shaw just did this remodel of this fighter squadron. We'll just do that. And so can't make this up without talking to the actual, like, unit. They put on a contract and constructed a fighter squadron. Well, the problem with this brand new building is that it was designed for an F-16 fighter squadron. <laughs> And so the building is literally half, half too small. Like no, (laughs) the four ship briefing rooms, which is only like a handful in a fighter squadron. Generally, like that's the two ship briefing room. It's like the two ship briefing rooms are like, those are closets. (laughs) Gosh. So then they, then they read it. They had to then um, add it onto the building to make it bigger. uh, So it could actually accommodate it. Well, then they didn't contract that out. Right. So it, it, my, I went to the B course and the building was being ripped apart the first time. Um, so we, we were out in the little DDF to deploy debrief facilities for like most of my B course. And then they got it oh, done. They dude. couldn't, they couldn't get the building certified because none of the contractors at the base hired were cleared. So then they had to rip the vault and everything back apart again with another contractor and rebuild it again. And then it went through a third iteration. The last time we went through there, they added onto it again. It's like, man, like this is what not to do. Like, this is terrible. And you know, isn't that how many people got promoted out of that? <laughs> right. Jesus. I just released a, I really just released a podcast with Kevin Latchman. He was a C is a C17 pilot in the Royal Air Force. Was awarded the Air Force Cross for missing the bus full of nuns on the runway. Like literally, he was saying that in the Royal Air Force, I don't know how they do this, right? But if you're the boss, you create something that's a terrible program 10 years down the road, if that it comes back and it was at fault because of what you did, like you're held accountable. Now I don't know what happens. Maybe you get like a letter of admonishment or like hey, it was Paco's fault. And I know he's gone <laughs> in the private sector now, but you know, like us, we're like, yeah, come on in, destroy this program. And then you're going to be up and out and uh, no one will blame you two years from now. It's going to be the guy who's sitting in the seat that eats it, so to speak, when, <laughs> when everything goes sideways. Yeah. That's it's, ama- it's a, yeah. It's the revolving door of, of responsibility is, is a really weird thing to see in play. Yeah. It's- yeah. No, not my problem. I want to say our vault they didn't have to completely redo our, our main briefing room because it flooded during one of the hurricanes. Oh, man. You know, it took, I don't know, four months to five months to start. And then like halfway through, I think they realized that several of the people working in there did not have security clearance or weren't cleared. So then they had to go rip out whatever they'd done. But they didn't get all the way finished. We're like, how like how is that not like maybe maybe it's not step one in the checklist? But it's probably step two or three yeah, it's in the checklist there. before it's somewhere up there. Yeah. Before before unloading the truck, yeah. you must complete steps one through five and it lies somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, like water damage in a vault. That's like uh for people who don't who don't realize, like that is like ter- that's like kryptonite because there's no windows, there's no <laughs> ventilation. And once that that you get that funk growing, it's like, oh god, it's we, I saw a vault get, it was like that forever. You'd have to air it out for an hour before you brought anyone in. Cause just, if you lock it up overnight and you come back in, you're like, Oh my God, I'm like, we're going to die of mold poisoning. If that's even possible. <laughs> Everyone's just sick. Yeah, Everyone's sick. And we've got the smokers cough. No one smokes. I don't know what's going on. Dude. Yeah. Not, not good. <laughs> I was going to ask uh 15 EX. Cause you flew uh, the EX. You got a couple yeah. Flights in the X before you yeah. retired, right? Yeah, I flew the EX more is, than the E my last few years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. What uh I was talking to a guy the other day who was a strike eagle guy and he was asking about it. I was like, you know, I don't know, but I know a guy who does. But the what is the current game plan with the uh, EX? Because it seems like it's 
hey, guard units are getting it. Psych, you're getting F-35. Are they gonna? Is there gonna be a Wizzo in the backseat, or is it not gonna be? A, is it gonna be a cop? Like, what, what's going on? With, what is the what? What's is the plan with the EX? Well, it depends on what. This, today's Monday, so I mean, yeah, it'll change by Wednesday. So it's gonna <laughs> it, land on aircraft carriers. Yeah, it's like the those are like the. It sounds uh, flippant, but those are the details that kind of don't matter right now. The details that do matter is how many you're gonna buy. <laughs> like they don't even know yeah, that. You, <laughs> I was surprised how fast that like that popped up on the, I mean, I know it didn't, it popped up on the, the public radar scope. I was leaving Shaw and actually comics like, Oh yeah, we're buying EXs. Actually like what? Like no, like no one had ever like talked about this uh, in any of the spears I ran in, but it just popped up and then, Oh yeah, we're buying them. And then they start showing up fairly quickly. Yeah. There's a, there's a backstory behind that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to hear the backstory. All right. Well, uh, so, I was in the Pentagon at the time. I was actually uh, pretty involved in in certain That's aspects Paco's of fault, this. Then. It's okay. my fault. <laughs> okay, no, yeah. um, I'm a nobody. I'm just a you know FGO walking around the Pentagon. Uh, but I, this wasn't my portfolio, so I was I was helping uh, uh, shape this program. So what happened was there's uh, there's these fighter force studies that happen, and uh, they generally don't get released because they're classified. And there had been so many fighter studies done over the years that it's like, whatever you don't like the answer, what do you do? Commission another study. <laughs> so, yeah, you, get, you eventually get the answer you, you eventually want. eventually get the answer you want. Just keep asking, right? Different people. So they had like multiple studies that had like, here in the next you know 20 years, this is the optimal force mix. It turns out it's not 100% fifth gen because just a whole bunch of reasons that you don't care about for this right now. And so the... OSD, uh, which is like the people who run the Pentagon, like on top of the services for the Secretary of Defense, the, they're the checks and balances of what the services are doing. So the OSD comes back and they're like, well, what's your what's your plan to like buy fourth generation aircraft? And they're like, what are you talking about? We don't have a plan. We're you know, fifth gen or bust. I'm like, well, <laughs> every study that's been commissioned over the past seven years says otherwise. And so it actually went to, uh, I think it went to the depth sec def. Anyways, big picture is that there was a there was a money like a wedge in the budget to buy fourth generation aircraft for the navy those are the super hornets and osd basically said we're going to take this money and give it to the air force to buy uh f15 exs and boeing had been working on some stuff anyways um from boeing it is you know revenue neutral because it's you're going to buy f15s versus f18s uh obviously set off a huge political firestorm with lockheed martin uh, a lot of lobbying on the hill back and forth and uh, yada, yada, yada. We ended up with uh, some aircraft. Uh, so as we're recording this, we have two. Uh, number three and number four will be will be arriving in the Air Force in a couple of weeks. But it's uh, it had a lot of a lot of missteps. It started out with a bang and then it kind of fizzled off. COVID didn't help. And yeah. Are, is, are they going to go active duty or is now they're just going to kick them to the guard for reserves? Oh, man. That again is a is a really interesting question. It, it changes depending on your strategy, right? So if you if you're the guard, I'll, I'll just play both sides of the equation. If you're the guard and you're looking at this and you go, you know what? We the worst thing in the world to ever happen for the guard is to have an orphan fleet. And an orphan fleet is a aircraft that exists in the guard but not the regular air force. So you want to be wedded to something. Yeah. You got to get the air force pregnant with the same fleet. And so you can actually like reap the benefits of that. Right. And so if you, if you sent the initial aircraft to the guard and then cut to program, 
as they're doing, if I'm the guard, I'm like, oh no, 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 I don't want these. I'm like, I want, yeah. I want to get the Air Force pregnant with them enough where maybe it's 50-50 mix or something where the sustainment and the upgrades and everything will be funded and not just kind of a throwaway, like some of the orphan fleets that we've had in the past with the guard. Uh, so yeah. that is a huge, huge component of the negotiations of if you just knew, like with predictability, how many aircraft you're going to buy, you could actually have these coherent discussions. And right now there's so much risk because there's so much uncertainty. I wouldn't want to make a decision on either side of it. I mean, obviously the C models are, are falling out of the sky. I mean, they're getting older every day. They should have been retired 10 years ago, 15 <laughs> years ago. So they're limping along until we get a replacement, but you know, it's, yeah. Then you get an F 35 replacing the C model and all that. It's, it's a hot chocolate mess. That was just a, a mix of, um, politics, bad decisions, and just, you know, lack of foresight. So shocking. Yeah. Shocking. I think Klamath and Bar Barnes, they're slated to get the 35. They got listed for that. And yeah. I, think, I guess the orphan piece, I didn't think about it, but like the C 27, that little guy, it lasted for like two years. Guard units, I think Mississippi had switched over. I flew on one from like Kandahar to Bagram. And then, you know, the next next year it was. But even hey, like, we your, just got your, this. Uh, like your early, like your pre-block variants, like in the guard, like those, yeah. are, like, those are basically orphan aircraft, right? The people don't want to put money into them. Yeah, that's so. a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah, the C model. Fun. That's I mean, the C model stopped getting upgrades when they divested all the active ones. Like most of the C model fleet was in the guard, right? Yeah. They saw, I mean, it's actually impressive. I, we, I guess we need it. So it got love and kind of kept it around. But I mean, those guys, like you said, like they've really, they've been doing the majority of the C model work for quite a while. Yeah, they have. Mm. And the, uh, the, the whole reason interest, the whole reason that the F-15 got an ESA radar to begin with, because an ESA radar was a fifth generation, like sensor, like, no one was going to put it in a fourth generation aircraft, but when, <laughs> when they, when they kept cutting the Raptor fleet, they're like, well, we, we gotta, we gotta put something in these F-15s if we're going to try to augment them. And so I remember flying the very first aircraft that were in tests in operational tests at Nellis. And we were in a, like a force on force stuff. And we had, you know, Raptors on one side and we had two F-15Cs with, with these brand new ESA radars. And then we had F-15Es and we're like, Oh my God, this is great. Like, this is the best thing ever. This is, you know, this is a long time ago. Like, oh, it turns out, like, you can see a lot of things with an ESA radar. So. Especially an F 15. Yeah. Uh, the big, big old, old honking radar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they save all the money using chalk so they can afford to put the radars in them. So, oh, yeah. That's no. my one chalk comment. Podcast. You got it one chalk for podcast. <laughs> Again, if you're just now tuning in, C model guys, they don't use whiteboards like were invented 40 years ago. They still use chalk to to draw stuff up. Well, oh, I hate chalk. It's the worst. That was terrible. Uh, I had to I had to chalk up uh, a whiteboard up in debrief. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chalk. I mean, chalking it up sounds better, but yeah, it, it's it easier to, to say, right? But it's like yeah. terrible to execute. Uh, yeah. Ooh. When I when I was in weapons school, one of the they there's a point where you have to like manually debrief, draw everything on the board until you get to like you know okay you're good enough. So I had to, I had to debrief a two v six ACM fight with like dry erase. I'm like oh I'm like okay like here's a pen length and like here's a, this person's over here I think and that oh, was terrible, <laughs> <It's> terrible. 
<laughs> How many times did you do that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that sounds heinous. Yeah. Hey, I learned yeah. a lot though. It's great. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Look at you now, because you, you you taught at the weapon school as well, right? I didn't teach there. No, I'm a. Uh, okay. I got my 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 get her done certificate, uh, and I was not invited back. So. Uh, you know those, those guys in the <laughs> Top Gun movie, all those extras in the movie with Tom Cruise. You know, like they're just like they're there in the background and they're at you know Top Gun and they you know do your thing and they leave. Like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's where we want to be. Yeah. It worked out for you. Look at you now. Yeah, yeah, it's going all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, what what else is happening before we wrap up here? I know you got a busy week. You're not. I mean, you're, you're oh, traveling. Uh, we've tried to link up a couple times. It's just been been tough so well, i'll give you 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 pick the topic you want to talk uh you want to talk ccas we can talk fifth gen upgrades we could, um what, whatever you want mm. we've just been talking about whatever so i know we have been ping-ponging around fifth gen is always i mean it's always an interesting thing to talk about given everything that's going on in the world today i think okay I don't know. well you, I, 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 up to you we could do both i got time yeah the pocket po- you have the you got the talking stick uh, okay uh ask questions Okay, well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk CCAs first because it'll make more sense, I think. Okay. Uh, so CCAs, that's uh, Collaborative Combat Aircraft. Yet another acronym. Um, yeah, it's good. We need one. <laughs> and I, they're I'm actually sure. a they're a subset of another acronym called ACPs, Autonomous Collaborative Platforms. Just to keep it even more uh, confusing, um, CCAs are like the fighter type version of an ACP, but they're they'll. In theory, uh, the Air Force has a strategy. There'll be other autonomous vehicles doing things, whether it's like uh, logistics, transport, resupply, uh, CSAR, you know, take take the people out of the vehicle, the rescue vehicle. Um, CCAs is the is the, the hot topic, though. That's the one that's got about $6 billion over the next five years in the budget. You can go Google the document and read it. Uh, the talking point is the Air Force wants to buy 2,000 of them. Um, I think that's more of a, planning function it's probably going to be a little bit less than that um but that's the talk point 2000 uh the reason why these these are important goes back to you know we talked about bombers right so bombers give you operational reach they don't have enough bombers but even without the operational reach you would argue that the air force is getting old and it's too small right uh so it's the smallest it's ever been the oldest it's ever been all that stuff and so to jump to a different curve, how do you fix it? Like, it? You can't just dump more money in the industry. Like that's kind of how we got in the problem we're at. So jumping to a new cost curve, how can we field affordable, capable mass on a timeline that matters without like spending a trillion dollars? That's really where the magic trick is, right? So we can make these things unmanned and then we can use autonomy to kind of fill in the gaps of where those man elements would be. And I would argue that just taking the person out of some of these platforms for certain missions uh, unlocks so much value. Like you think about like uh, whenever you put someone in a harm's way. So if you're going to commit an aircraft, that aircraft has a person, you're committing the harm's way. Now you have your, your CSAR uh, package considerations, your risk to force, risk to mission, your ALR. There's all these things that are instantly coupled and they're very linear. And so if you can take the person out, that's uh, so you get your CCA. And now you actually can decouple that. And so my risk to mission and risk to force becomes like, you know, tailorable, right? If I, these things are cheaper, it's like sending an MQ-9 to get shot down. You go, ah, you know, they shot down a predator, right? The song, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> but, but now you're doing it for more high-end <laughs> missions, right? Uh, 
so that's really what's going on. The the big debate right now is is how much they're going to cost, right? So we said that they had to be affordable, but they also had to be capable, and then we had to buy a shitload of them. So mass, affordable, capable mass. Uh, the House uh, draft version of the NDAA, they're trying to uh, impose cost restrictions uh, to hit these affordability targets. Uh, they're $3 million for an expendable, um, $10 million for an attritable, and then $25 million for exquisite. Um, so three, so the expendable, think of it as like a cruise missile with, you know, a swarming cruise missile, something like that. You're a tritable thing like target drone type things. Like, Hey, you're going to send them waves of these and they get shot down. They're missile sponges. We don't care. And then your $25 million are like your, uh, your unmanned F-35 type stuff, right? Like those kinds of missions, whether it's seed, uh, air superiority. Um, the air force is like, I don't know where, well, who said that we're not doing that. So they, they think it's going to be like, you know, double. So uh, somewhere in the $40, $50 million, about the half the price of a, an F-35. So call it $40 million. Uh, checks in the mail. We'll see what happens, um, how that comes through with the, with Congress and the Pentagon. That's probably the biggest thing because that's going to determine what you can and can't do, right? And so if you're going to spend $40 million in aircraft, this aircraft is probably going to be bigger than you think it is. Um and then you get to like range, speed, payload, maneuverability, like those design attributes are going to be really fascinating to see play out. You know, you want to you want to build something that maybe cannot aero refuel, but flies for like six hours. Like, OK, like there's a design trade off there. If it's going to fly for six hours, though, like it's probably not going to be very maneuverable. It's just how aerodynamics work. Right. Everything's a compromise. Yep. So it'll be it'd be curious to see how they not just build like a solution, but the kind of family of solutions in this space. There'll be different types, I think, for different things. Um, but yeah, the uh, the autonomy is probably the more interesting part of it right now. Um, you know, an aircraft aircraft design is an aircraft design. Um, what you want the autonomy to do and the different advances that you can, you know, the autonomy, what you can and can't do with it. If you trust it, it's a whole field of science for that. Uh, we can have a whole podcast just on that if you want. <laughs> we have a series. Yeah, the whole series. Turns out, yeah. Uh, I do that in my day job. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's uh, a lot to, to peel back on this. I, oh, man. The Actually, so quick pivot or along the same line. So, all right, we're up against a continuing resolution here like in two days, I think, as we record this. Yeah. How does like a, a continuing resolution, government shutdown, uh, operating off of these CRs versus a budget, et cetera. Does it impact things like this? Because I always hear, you know, the sec def say, you know, there's there's certain items, right, that we basically just keep operating at whatever the last level was by, as we operate on these continuing resolutions. So we're not able to either fund or sustain the things above the line. I don't know how you, how you phrase it, but yeah, that, how, how does it no, that's it? right. So a continuing resolution is they have a resolution resolution to continue the burn rate of money of the previously approved spending limit. Right. So whatever it was in FY 23, October 1st, FY 24 hit, there's no, either the government shuts down because there's no appropriation and no authorization to, to continue or there's this resolution from Congress that says, hey, you can keep keep the lights on, keep coming to work um, until we figure out what your budget's going to be. And that that is expiring is what you're talking about. Well, during that time, um, you know, the last time we passed the budget on time, it's been like 10 years and it's been like four times in the history of the budget cycle. We've actually passed all the appropriations on time, like four times in the past 70 years. 
So like, so expecting it to happen every October 1st is like insanity. Like it's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get that out Insane. of the way. <laughs> like, oh, fascinating. Like batting average is zero. Like, okay. Like take another swing. Let's see what happens. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So we're at it right now is the, uh, there's some budget negotiations and things going on on the Hill. Um, but for, for things like CCAs or, or these new programs, one of the things that's weird about a CR is you are prohibited from starting new programs. You have to actually mm. have it. There's a, there's a waiver process and it's like maybe the whole Pentagon gets like, you know, five <laughs> exceptions to policy for the whole like year. But during a CR, like you can't start anything. That's one of the legal things about it. Um, even if you could start something, here's where it gets even weirder. If you could start something, say like the CCA program, you wanted to like field this, you know, here's a hundred million dollar contract under a CR, even if you could write the contract, it's actually illegal because you have, you, you don't have a money appropriated in, in that funding account to pay for the contract that you're obligating the government for. So it's a really weird situation. CRs suck. Uh, this is why, like, if you're a, if you're a finance officer or contracting officer, the, the first quarter of every fiscal year is when you go on vacation because nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> It's one day, one well, day, I mean, one day, four out of 70 times, Vincent, you better be ready to work. Yeah. It's, it, it's not good. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, I guess I haven't seen too many news articles this week, maybe cause I'm just not getting fed those articles and I haven't gone out looking for it, but yeah, I think the 17th, right. It's supposed to shut down again, unless something happens. There's a lot of politics happening. There's always a lot of politics happening, but I think what, so general Brown was confirmed as the chairman of the joint chiefs. Yep. We got a Marine Corps Commandant. Yep. Uh, but then... Well, then he had a heart attack. Yeah, that's what, right. I don't, I haven't heard his condition. But uh, stable. He's still out, right? He's stable. Stable, that's okay. good. He's just... um, but mm, those two, maybe like one or two other ones that were confirmed, because there's a whole list of general officers or flag officers waiting to be promoted or 06s waiting to be promoted to flag officer, and then a lot of appointees in or, in or around uh the government DOD specifically. Yeah. For, you know, for those nominations, once you get to the, the three and four star level, those are, um, those are nominations, not necessarily promotions. It's kind of a weird nuance. So if you notice like, uh, like the last time you saw like a three, three star move to a four star position, they get promoted and assume command in the same ceremony because the, their promotion is for appointment for that duty, which is rated at that position. So like the comac, you know, the four star, mm -hmm. He'll come up. Well, the next one's already a four star, but um, you know, when the current four star, he did his four star promotion and assumption of command in the same ceremony because it's a, it's a tied to his appointment from Congress. Well, I did not know that makes sense. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but yeah, there's a lot of those guys getting held up right now. So not, not a good situation. Not, not a good situation. And now you have like the ultimate situation of like lame duck. Right. Because no one wants to do anything and take any initiatives because they're not going to be around to fit, like to follow through and they're going to be perceived as stepping on toes of you know people who are going to be coming in right after them to do something. And so they're like, what do I what do I do? So there's a lot of like silence right now going on uh, at, at AFA. Actually, in September, the big conference, the airspace and cyber, uh, you didn't see a lot of big announcements from people in uniform because of that. Like they're not going to do a lot of like let the political appointees make some talking points you know like secretary talk all he wants you know but the uh, the uniform people are kind of like shying away because 
they're they're all like in limbo waiting to move and you don't want to like why am i going to announce an initiative at this conference and then move in two months like that make any sense yeah okay yeah interesting yeah that's been going on for several months now so you know see, see what happens politics all right well yeah politics not my not my thing um before we wrap up fifth gen what's going on with fifth gen you said you no yeah so uh well the raptor raptor's getting some upgrades which is great um you probably saw the picture that got posted last year from uh from comac he's got the uh um firing a jatum with these uh low drag pylons also known as lo fuel tanks and then carrying the earth pods there's been some some posts on that that's finally now you know public that's been at work for many years uh, so that's going on. Um, the other th- cool thing about the Raptor is the uh, the Racer, which is what they're called. It's the Raptor Agile Capability Release, the Racer Upgrades. I think they're on Racer 3 right now. Um, but that actually brought two things. The first one, uh, near and dear to your heart probably, is like they're finally on the link. <laughs> hey, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the 80s. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I remember a red flag like, hey, it's happening. It's going to happen really soon. Uh, did not happen really soon but it's really nice to be like hey can you could you tell me what's going on because i have no idea what's going on out here can't see anything in my radar yeah for for everyone who's, who's not tracking like the just how comically <laughs> stupid the, the it was you'd have like f-22s and these like uh, red flags and stuff and they can receive all of this information but they can't actually transmit any information and so the only way to transmit information out of like everything the raptor is seeing into like you know, an F-16 or an F-15 is like key the UHF radio and just like explain what's going on. So it's verbal. There's no data link. There's no way to pass the information off of the Raptor. So uh, it's been like a running joke. Uh, and they're, uh, they see everything. Raptor <laughs> Raptor sees everything. Let's say you just can't really do anything with all of that info. <laughs> yeah, they just don't share. Just well, don't well, share. Yeah, hey. yeah, it's so selfish. Do they, do the NDA... Uh, did it get approved? Because they were talking about all the Raptors that were down at Tyndall original that had been upgraded in a decade or so that were going to cost millions upon millions of dollars to upgrade them. Air Force wanted to retire those, you know, make way, spend some money in other places. Did that get approved and make its way through? So fun fact, uh, that issue, there's like a, how many are there? There's, of the 185 Raptors, there's like, I don't know, 30. There's something like 30 Raptors, which are these old configuration. And uh, they decided, hey, we're going to make these our training jets. And the Air Force, like the Air Force and Congress agreed. I'm not making this up. Like 15, like 15 years ago that they were going to do this. We're going to split configurations of the fleet. We're not going to upgrade these jets. We don't want to spend the money. Well, yada, yada, yada. If you, if you basically snap a chalk line in time, of one aircraft fleet and then the other aircraft you continue to upgrade for the next 15 years, you're going to have a disparity between training and operations like surprise, right? Shocking. 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 So for probably the past seven years, there's been a big back and forth between Congress and the air force where Congress is trying to get the air force to upgrade these Raptors because they're not quote combat capable. I'd say they are combat capable, just not the same kind of combat capability that the, the ops jets have. You can still go out and sling missiles and do some stuff with them. Like they're Raptors, right? They're just, right. you know, the Raptors stuck in time. That's all. Um, but here's the kicker is that 
Congress wants to make the Air Force upgrade these aircraft, but Congress refuses to give the Air Force any money to upgrade the aircraft. And these aircraft are like, I want to say it's a nine-year upgrade. And you're like, oh my God, like by the time it's like nine years and like like 20 or 30 million dollars a jet to upgrade them to, to get them to the combat coded configs of the fleet. And you go, well, by the time the, they come off the line, you're going to be retiring the fleet. Like this doesn't make any sense. Right. So there's a big back and forth, like, you know, money talks when there's no money. Like, okay, like, thank you for your interest in national security. <laughs> <laughs> Copy shot. Copy shot. <laughs> well, yeah, you had to think about that too. I mean, because I've never flown a Raptor, but I imagine the Raptor is inherently an easy plane to fly, but managing the systems, the formation, the tactics, da 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 da, like that's where pilots are earning their money. And so if you don't upgrade the avionics and the you know, whatever capabilities to match what your operational score, like at some point you're like, sweet, you can take off and land and you have a root, not a rudiment. You have a basic understanding of what's happened, but then you show up in the op squadron and you're like, okay, now we actually have to teach you how to use this jet, you know, which is not just going to be yeah. one flight. Then you get into like the political strategy. So the air force was like, well, this was last year. Like we're, we want to retire these jets and Congress is like, well, why? Like, well, we, they're, they're too expensive to upgrade and they're like split configuration, like not realizing like that was the agreed upon strategy. Right. <laughs> so like, this is the result of bad decisions that, you know, in a, you know, a bottle of Jack and a bar napkin, you know, and a couple of dudes at the bar, yeah. you can figure this out. Like this is not a good idea. Well, if you were in the Royal air force, this is where we'd be going back and be like 15 years ago. We'd be like, it was you who made this decision and you wouldn't care because you're <laughs> right. you know, sitting at your beach house or whatever, but just know we found you. We found you. You're we, the guy. You screwed this up for everyone else. Oh man. It's like, how do you even track that? But I was like, the Brits, they're really good at red tape and bureaucracy. There's, I don't know. We're, we're pretty, so. pretty good at it too. You know, pretty good. at Yeah. It too. No, I mean, it's, that's all any, yeah. Any kind of government agency. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's not, then you have the F 35. So, uh, F-35 number 1000 is is uh, at Fort mm. Worth right now on the line. I saw it a few months ago. Um, I can't remember cool. what country it was. I think it was a U.S. version. Uh, there's like a, because the way that they, because there's three plants that actually push them out. Most of them are coming through Fort Worth. Uh, they like, it's it's this one plus or minus like two tails on either side. Like we're not exactly sure. So there was a variance yeah. there. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> it's supposed to be coming out any day now. Um Hopefully by the end of the year, you'll see number 1000 hit the line. Um, the problem is, is that uh, there's a backlog of actually like, where do those aircraft going? So that's what I heard. Oh uh, yeah. So, so block four is the, the upgrade to make the, uh, the F 35, like ready for the 2025 fight and beyond. Um, it's a $16.5 billion upgrade. Um, side note. If you had a $16.5 billion upgrade in any fighter in the United States, it would be freaking awesome, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> put, put the, hey, we have the Viper fleet is now has a $16.5 billion upgrade. You're like, yes, it's going to be awesome. Like, like, what is it going to do? Like, I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. Laser beams for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's not, yeah, you, you put enough money at anything, it's going to be awesome, right? So the... The uh, block four, this upgrade relies on these jet modifications, uh, tech refresh called TR3. Well, TR3 is behind schedule um, for some supplier and some subcontractor issues. So uh, that's that's uh, one of the problems. Uh, the other problem is imagine if uh, if I told you that the sixteen and a half billion dollar upgrade um, doesn't work unless you have new engines. 
and a new cooling system. Yeah. You know, oh, it wasn't part of the program. It's actually, so not including that cost does not include the engine upgrades or the cooling system upgrades. Oh man, you just, it's going to be, uh, I'm glad I'm not managing that program. Oh, well, I was talking to Billy Flynn cause he was talking about that. It requires a new in, I mean, more power yeah. to handle everything, hey, but you know, what's crazy. You know, what, what's you, know, the, what, uh, you, know what, you know, what grinds my gears <laughs> Is <laughs> you want to talk about accountability? <laughs> Grounds my gears. What keeps Paco open night? Oh man, yeah. like on this, like Lockheed Martin, like to their credit, Lockheed Martin identified this issue like 15 years ago. And they're like, hey, government, just so you know, the cooling system and the, there's, there's a whole like um, kilowatt outage of, of power, electrical and cooling. And like, th- this is only going to get you this far. Like, th- this isn't going to work. And they're like, yeah, 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 we'll be all right. And now here we are, like, hey, Lockheed, this isn't going to work. And like, yeah, we told you, like, you know, 15 years ago. Because uh, was it, isn't one of the course of action, like the, so the engine replacement piece is like $6 billion. It's, is well, that- it depends. So they've decided, so this is where it got weird about six months ago of like, what engine is going to replace the current engine in the F-35? So the, the two options are, uh, what's called an ECU, the engine core upgrade. So make the, like replace the core in the current fleet of engines. The the plus is, is that it, it's usable by all the variants, the A, B, and C. Um, every customer will inherit the, that upgrade. It's going to be great. Um, the the downside is, is it, it may not solve all of the problems, right? It'll solve some of the problems, but maybe not all of the problems. So to solve all the problems, you really need a new engine, and that's where the adaptive engine comes into play. Um, there's not been an adaptive engine fielded operationally in the world, and so now you're like, oh man, we're going to take this $16.5 billion upgrade and then throw a new engine that's never been actually like fielded in a fighter. This is not going to, this is going to be like more concurrent development and cost, and like, ugh. Then you get into the cooling system that's- to like, there's like the pipes that run through the jet to cool all these avionics. Uh, the pipes aren't big enough. Um, I think Billy might've talked about this in the pod. Like you start like cutting the airframe to make the pipes bigger. Like there's definitely some engineering um, considerations of weakening the the bulkheads to make the pipes bigger, to pump more cooling into the jet. So it's not a very big jet. It turns out uh, it's, it's pretty crammed tight. It's got a lot of gas though, but yeah. You know, yeah. When you're talking about cutting it open, do it because even fitting more missiles in there. That's Billy talked about that too. I think, um, I mean, that's, that's a physical modification that is happening as the jets are built on the assembly line. You're not so, going to yeah, go back so and part of, so redo that. That's right. The, that's called the sidekick. That's the, put the extra missile. It fits on the A and C, but not the B, um, of the three variants. The other, the other part of block four is what's called the aft bulkhead mod. They actually moved the bul- the aft bulkhead of the weapons bay further back so they can actually fit in. As it turns out, uh, the F-35 is a seed platform with no seed weapon. <laughs> so, like, oops. Like, so, the, so that weapon will field eventually, like, in the next, you know, five, seven, ten years, maybe. Uh, but that's been, like, this kind of a running <laughs> joke. It's like, ah, oh, uh, it's a seed platform with no actual stand-in attack weapon. So, <sighs> it's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. China, if you're listening, it's, everything's fine. It, everything's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, they got their problems too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. You said this is a, we were uh, joking about the other day. The some pretty great rejoin videos. Uh, it was the J11, the intercepting the B52 at night. 
that guy was overshooting like a big dog. I was like, you can probably see his eyeballs are as big as saucers. As yeah, he put out that speed break. Out. I was like, whoop, yep, he's gonna overshoot. <laughs> yep. And uh, too much closure there. If you, so, and you've done enough rejoins to know this. Like, if you 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 have a sight picture when you you're like, oh, I'm gonna rejoin to that aircraft. You and you know in your mind, like, okay, I, I know what the what the visual references are and the, the approach angles and i can judge distance because you don't have dust perception at night with with nvgs so you're just looking at sizes right size and range yeah well if, if you and they did it against a b-52 so if you've ever seen a, a certain angles of a b-52 versus like a kc-135 for instance way misleading because the b-52 has a very thin fuselage so you think it's further away but it has these really long wings. Like, oh my god! Like, you, you could actually like hit the wing yeah. without thinking too hard about it if you try to think of it as a normal type of aircraft. So there's it's definitely some, uh, there's definitely a puffer, pucker factor there. Like, they got it on tape too, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> so it was great, great for, for all of our for all pot. of us to enjoy <laughs> and throw you know shade back over the pond uh, to them. So you know, pure sarcasm and ridicule. It works. Yeah. I don't know, make your if you're gonna get filmed and broadcast across the globe, uh, make sure your rejoins on point. You know, it was like the guy. It's just, like, hey, just say, um, I got an idea. Hear me out. We're gonna dump fuel in front of the MQ9, and like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this this is gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. That's what I was. I Flash and I were joking. I was like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right? I always say the average age inside a formation is probably like thirty. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range, you know, and it's like at the tactical level, you can have a strategic level impact very quickly and kick off World War Three, you know, just by shenanigans. Yeah. Hey, watch this. Like, no, 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 no. I don't know what it is, but don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah. are dangerous words. That's how it starts. <laughs> That's it's not it's not going to end well. No, it's not going to end well. at all. Well, Rain, we I don't we talked well, about a little bit of everything. This is almost like our little just like catch yeah. up chat. We just invited, you know, your audience to just kind of, you know, follow us along. Listen, yeah. Great. There's a lot of things happening in the world. It's been good. It's been too long. We're gonna need to do it more frequently. Yeah, just, you're busy. Well, you're busy too. We've been we've been talking for like two months to, to to figure out our schedules just to do this. So we made we made the stars align. We completely underwhelmed uh, the audience. So we're we're aiming hey. for average, and we shacked it. Yeah, that's right. Set the bar low. <laughs> it's easier to trip across. That's and, right. Uh, finish the day off, Paco. Man, I appreciate it. It was good catching up, brother. All right. Hey, before before I leave, if you listeners are out there and you're still hanging on, thank you. Please check out my newsletter. I'd really appreciate it. Oh, I, 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 you know, I've heard I've heard good things not, about it. Now I'm biased, but I hear good things. I do like your newsletter is great. And here's what I'm going to do, because I'm actually get off this. And I'm going to record an intro Ooh. to this, which will go in front and I'll put up. So we'll catch them in the beginning. Love That's it. Really, we get them. People got to check out the merch newsletter because. The stuff you put in there and the things you find. Uh, I, actually, I meant to ask, how long does it take you to put together a newsletter? I think I asked oh, the first time we did it. Don't uh, ask. Probably don't ask. Just hours. We have no other life. Just record a podcast, travel, work. Yeah. it's Put it, together a newsletter. That's why people should check it out. Dude, it's a lot, a lot of, it's a lot of work. Going to it's it. a lot, like we said earlier, like so much work goes yeah, into yeah. the stuff that people don't realize. You just you consume yeah, it. You get it for free. All you have to do is just, you know like follow subscribe that kind of thing and that's all we're all, all those things yeah it's uh it's all self-inflicted pain i ask myself why i do this sometimes but you know it's fun it's fun to have these combos and yeah looking look for a little break yeah. over the holiday be nice 
Yeah, I think I'm going to idle. There'll be some re-releases that drop in December. So as you're, as people are listening, they're still hanging on. Like they're going to hear some re-releases, which is good to bring it out of the vault. I mean, I've had episodes that have been sitting there for three years. That yeah, if you just join middle of the road here, you probably didn't go back to episode thirteen. You know? Isn't it a weird so. thing? You're like, oh, this is a great podcast. Like how? Like and you have like seventy something episodes now. Like how many people scroll all the way back in the catalog and go, oh, episode yeah. like fifteen? Let me check that one out. Like no one does that, right? <laughs> no. No one does. No one which does. I did. I re-release. I re-released one. I had the. You remember it's like the Mammoth Lake fires out in California. This was three years ago. This and it's like incredible footage or and pictures of these guys. One's in a Chinook and a Blackhawk, and they go in. The Chinook packs out like a hundred and twenty some odd people, and it's ferrying them out just back and forth, saving all these people. So all the crew they got DFCs uh, for it. I was like, man, this thing, it was like one of my first episodes I did. I was like, you know, small following at that point. I was like, oh, I'm going to re-release this, which was, it was a good thing. I got a lot of good feedback because again, no one, there's like four people that are going to scroll all the way to the beginning and just kind of go through and say, oh, maybe I'll listen to that one. But the data doesn't lie for the one or two people are like, I scroll back. Like the 99 others yeah. don't. So <laughs> yeah, these are facts. These are facts. <laughs> these are facts. Etched in stone. All right. <laughs> well, check out the Merge newsletter because people can subscribe. I'll link that down below and then uh, the podcast. So there we go. But they're going to have heard this in the opening. So all right. Are we leaving now? All right. <laughs> Thanks, Rand. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paco. The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain.